So, dear two scientist listeners, thank you for tuning in for uh, another one of our podcasts. We are very privileged today to have a whole bunch of our Taste of Science coordinators here. So we have Erin from New York. Hello. We have Katie from Chicago. And we have Samia from San Francisco Bay, as well as Virginie, actually, who's our speaker today. Hello. And, of course, we have Sinead from Tampa, because that's where we are right now. Hello. Not to forget Sahil, who's hiding in the corner and tweeting for us right now. Hola. <laughs> and our two very kind guests, um, guests, hosts, uh, Gwen and Etienne, who are allowing us to crash their place for the recording of the podcast. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so now we've had our tasty snacks and we've had the caffeine to wake ourselves up. Virginie, how are you doing? Good. Better after the coffee. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, you had quite the night out on the town in Ebor last night, I believe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, without too much ado, what is it that you did in terms of your, your studies and how did you end up? Because you're a postdoc at Stanford, correct? Yeah. How did you end up at Stanford? Okay, long story. <laughs> <This one. laughs> That's what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it was not my plan at the beginning to become a scientist. So I wanted to become a medical doctor. So I did um, all my study in France, as you can hear. <laughs> um, I didn't manage to do the, to go to the medical school because it's a bit complicated in France. So I ended up in the biology um, university. And then I studied neuroscience there. Um, didn't know exactly what to do, but I wanted to work more with human. Um, yeah, because it's more concrete for me. So I studied neuroscience and psychology, um, cognitive psychology. And then after my master's thesis, I ended up doing circadian rhythm. Try to find a PhD, and I did my PhD in Switzerland, where I studied um, how the light impacts the human behavior and sleep. Uh, so there I kept my participants awake for 40 hours. Wow. <laughs> yes. Kind of a challenge, but a lot of people make it. Uh -huh. And I put light for 40 hours in young and older individuals and look what affects um, what is the differences between the old and older and younger people, depending mm -hmm. on the light. And then I wanted to do a postdoc somewhere else than in Europe. So I tried to find a lab in the same um, area. I'd like, I, I like sleep research and uh, all the light stuff. Um, and I find a lab in Stanford. So I, I write a grant with the PI and mm -hmm. I got the money. And yep. here I am <laughs> since Fantastic. a year now. And how do you enjoy Stanford? It's a nice place to live. <laughs> the weather is, is great compared to France. Really? Uh, at least where I'm from. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm more in the northeast, so okay. it's not so sunny. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think we have a very, good. a very idealized view of what France is like. <laughs> um, yeah, so you've already touched a little bit upon your research, and you're doing very similar things now in your current lab, is that correct? Yes, so it's also how the light impacts circadian rhythm or, yeah, the, the sleep. Mm -hmm. So what I did now is more about um, older people, when they wake up in the morning, they usually feel dizzy, lose their balance. Mm -hmm. uh, it's what we call autostatic hypotension. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you stay for a long time laying in your bed, and you stand up in the morning, 
um, yeah, your blood pressure is really low, your yep. heart rate increases a lot. And so a lot of people just fall mm -hmm. uh, in the morning. And so I tried with a uh, light which mimics the sunrise. Mm -hmm. uh, I wake them up and will try to see if this light can start to increase slowly their heart rate and blood pressure while, while they are still asleep. Mm -hmm. So that they can, it can help their body to wake up before they actually wake up mm -hmm. and to prepare them to stand up and to not feel dizzy or lose their balance. Okay. So today what we're going to do is we're going to let our guests interrupt us to ask questions. Um, so uh, before we go any further, can you explain what circadian rhythms actually are? I think it's a word that people maybe hear a lot and they think, oh yeah, this is associated with something like jet lag. What is the circadian rhythm? Okay, so circa circadian rhythm is basically how your body reacts to the 24-hour cycle, so light and dark cycle. And basically your brain, so your eyes catch the light and tell the information to your brain. Mm -hmm. And so your brain knows when, so when is night and when is a day, and it tells the rest of your body what to do. So for example, your stomach uh, will know when it's time to eat and to produce all um, the, the hormone, everything needed to, to eat, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and all your organs. So the circadian rhythm is really how your body reacts to the light, light and dark cycle. Okay. So this is what really throws you off when you're traveling and you do have jet lag. So your body's already prepared to release things at a certain time. Exactly. So you, you have a, a rhythm into your body, mm -hmm. which is located in your brain. So it's a really robust rhythm. And every morning it, uh, it, it is reset to the 24-hour cycle. Mm -hmm. And when you are traveling, so if you have six-hour jet lag, your body will still keep this rhythm. So even though your body is in a day uh, mm -hmm. rhythm, but if you are traveling, you will be at night. And so all your body, your organs will be shifted, completely shifted, and it will take some days to fix yourself to the regular mm -hmm. time from the um, country where you are traveling in. Okay. So we had a question from Sinead. So you mentioned in your for your PhD work that you kept people up for 40 hours straight. So I'm wondering what you did to those people to keep them awake. Like, did you kind of like <laughs> torture them randomly? Like, did you like jump into the room after 36 hours and be like, oh, it's dark! <laughs> or like play music or something? Like, or did was it willpower of the people? So, okay, <laughs> I got this question quite a lot of time. <laughs> A lot of people think that I'm just near my participants, like poking at them. <laughs> so, no, so they are prepared before coming in the lab. So for uh, a week, we ask them to keep a regular sleep and wake schedule with, with at least eight hours of sleep so that they are not sleep deprived or something. And I think that they are prepared because they know that they will stay awake for 40 hours. So the only thing is they are in a room without uh, without window without it's completely uh, dark and they hear nothing and we control everything and they need to stay in bed for 40 hours yes and because it's a study about light we want to control everything so they were not allowed to use anything with light so no screen no phone nothing so they were allowed to listen to music mm -hmm. to read uh, some people came and paint stuff, or some we had some grandmother who um, were knitting. knitting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
Some people try to learn a new language as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. We had one participant that tried to learn Chinese for 40 hours. And because in our... So we have a um, technical room where we are connected to each sleep room. And we can hear what people are saying. And so we were listening to Chinese <laughs> for 40 hours. <laughs> This, did this and person just start learning Chinese? Like, yeah, or have he they already been studying it? No, he wanted to do this and he was thinking that it's a good time to start it. So he started it during the study and I think that he continued uh, okay. afterwards. But a lot of people make it. Um, so we, because we, had, we record brain activity, uh, we, ca we could see in our computer on the technical room where they start to fall asleep and so we came in the room and talked to them try to make them awake um we had some puzz puzzles to do as well some game and it was okay maybe two or three two or three of them stopped the study because they could really not stay awake <laughs> but how the team stay uh, stay awake did you turn like yes or did you stay yeah awake? No? so i had some uh, high school students who worked with me so yeah i started with them and then i had some sleep and they continued to do the shifts um and they could always call me and a lot of time i was as well sleeping in the lab we had a spare room so i was just sleeping there <laughs> okay oh we have a question from etienne so the the light gives some you know come to the eyes and give information to the brain so it, how much is it is known about the mechanism from the brain to the for example the blood pressure and you know the artery uh, that you mentioned before like that's a beautiful question at the end <laughs> so we know the mechanisms how the brain catches the light so you have some specific receptors in your eyes which are only for light uh, reception so yeah you have some receptor for all the visual stuff that you can see around you and specific receptor for the light and this receptor brings information to the brain but then from the brain to all the artery or blood pressure we don't know exactly the real uh, mechanisms so it is something about all the hormones so i don't know you may heard maybe about the melatonin which mm -hmm. is uh, the hormone of the circadian rhythm so basically these hormones um, increase at night and as and decrease uh, during the day so when it starts to increase and it reaches a specific threshold, your body realizes that it's time to go to sleep. And then you're sleeping, it reaches a peak, and then it decreases again. And when it again uh, reaches a specific threshold, your body starts start to wake up. And if you put light, this hormone is not sensitized anymore. And that's why during the day you don't have these hormones. And uh, rhythm of these hormones give information to the rest of the body, but we don't know exactly which pathways it takes. Um, have you ever done these sleep studies on blind people? And does it change if they like can't process light in the same way? Yeah, uh, I never did that, but some other researchers did. So depending on what kind of blind blindness you have, uh, you can be completely shifted. So if it's only the receptor for the visual parts, uh, which is not working, but the receptor for the light. 
then your circadian rhythm is still are still okay. You can still feel the day and night. Uh, if the receptor for which ca catch the lights are not working anymore, then your circadian rhythm will not be good anymore. So because people cannot see when is it when it's day, the daylight and when is the night, and they will just sleep whenever they are sleepy. And so yeah, it depends really which kind of blindness do you have. So do blind people, I guess this is a terrible thing not to know, They, I guess they just create a routine for themselves based on the hours. Yes, exactly. And as well, your circadian rhythm can be entrained by food intake, uh, activities, uh, social interaction. So if these people are with someone who and they take regular meals at regular time, mm -hmm. they do exercise at regular time as well every day. So their circadian rhythm will be entrained by this and it will be easier for them to follow their day and night cycle. Okay. Has anyone looked at uh, the kind of changes or differences in, that you might see in the brain with people who do shift work? So they their day is completely reversed. I mean... This must have a huge effect on the body then, if this is all driven by light. Yeah, it's a big topic of this moment, mm -hmm. uh, trying to find a way to help them. Because the thing is, if we put light during all the night, which is good for them because we don't want that they fall asleep, but then they will have light all the nights, they will not be sleepy. And in the morning when they go home, they will see the sunlight as well. Mm -hmm. And they won't be sleepy neither. Yeah. Um, so we don't know exactly what to, to do for them. Um, there are some people saying that it's good to sleep with the open window so mm -hmm. that they can still have the light during the day, but they won't sleep so well. So Because if you can still see the light, your brain don't know exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so when they are sleeping during the day, it's not the same recovery sleep than during the night. So for example, during the night, um, the first part of the night, you have more deep sleep. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, to reset your brain, kind of. Yep. And in the second part of the night, you have more REM sleep. Uh, so REM sleep, it's what we, uh, it's rapid eye movements. And it's a stage where you have no muscle tone and you are allowed to dream during this stage. And during the night, if you are sleeping during the day, these stages are not the same at all. And so your brain doesn't recover as well and, as during the night. Um, and for a long term, of course, there are, there are people working night shifts have more problems because mm -hmm. all their body are completely, completely shifted. And when you stop doing the night shift for some days and you don't know when to sleep, when to eat, yeah. And everything is not rhythmic anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, it sounds horrendous. <laughs> One place I can think of where the lights are on all night and lots of people are doing shift work is hospitals. Yeah. Can you comment on how that affects people who are trying to recover from illness if their circadian rhythm is being influenced just throughout the day or being woken up? You're talking about um, nurse or doctor or and patient. Okay. Um, I know that I try to put more blue and rich white lights. So blue and rich white light is exactly what we can see outside. Uh, it's a sunlight um, because usually you have just normal white light in uh, hospital or workplace. And when they try to put uh, blue and rich white light, 
during the day and not during the night. It can improve people to feel less sleepy, to um, improve their cognitive performance as well. Uh, they did that as well in nursing home, and they could see that all the people there felt better. They were more uh, active during the day. They slept better as well, because if you have more sunlight uh, during the day, then you feel maybe more sleepy in the night. So don't forget to turn the lights a bit uh, dim uh, before going to bed. Uh, but yeah, they, they were much better there. What can also disrupt your sleep is all the blue light in the evening. Mm -hmm. So all the iPad, LED screen. Yep. Um, there, there are a lot of study about teenagers because they are using their iPads, iPhone uh, before going to bed. And because your brain, your eyes and so the brain catch the blue light from this LED screen, then they feel that it's still the day and they are not sleeping mm -hmm. or feeling sleepy at all. And so they go to bed later and later every day. But the thing is that they still have to wake up in the morning because of school or work. Mm -hmm. And a lot of teenagers or young people are sleep deprived because of this. Yeah. Is it the same for TV? It is the same for TV if it's an LED screen. If it's not, then it's fine. For the e-readers, there is no LED. It's uh, another light behind. So this is as well completely fine. Um, they did some study about... Uh, it was teenagers. Uh, either they were reading a book. Mm -hmm. uh, they were either playing on the iPads or playing on in the iPad with blue blocking glasses, okay. which is kind of glass uh, glasses, orange glasses. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can use either this or some app as well uh, to make your screen more orange. Mm -hmm. And we could see that people reading a book went to bed earlier than people playing the iPad with the blue blocker glasses and only later the people playing with an iPad without the blue blocking gla glasses. So this is a big problem now because mm -hmm. a lot of people are using their computer before going to bed. Um, and a lot of teenagers are waking up as well during the night to check their phone or all oh the social media. I have to say that um, I was going to ask, actually, because I was one of those kids that would have the flashlight under the bed and <laughs> I'd be reading until, you know, one or two in the morning and then I'd feel terrible the next morning. So you're saying that this is even worse yes. because it's not just the sleep, it's the light itself. Exactly. Which... Yeah. Okay. As soon as your brain catches this blue light, it's like if you catch the sunlight mm -hmm. and so your brain thinks, okay, now it's daytime, yeah. but it's not. <laughs> yeah. And I think also that uh, this is not necessarily connected to your research, but I think there are um, studies that say that teenage aut teenagers automatically have the kind of body clock that wants them to wake up later. Yes. And I know here that with the school bus system, this is a nightmare for people. So the school buses go for the older kids first <laughs> because they want they don't want the younger kids to be out in the dark. And so you've got this double impacting like they, it must be essentially close to getting no sleep at all. So they're not sleeping at night and then they still have to wake up early to yes. go and get the buses for school. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For the uh, kids or teenager, they usually go to bed later and want to wake up later but it's not possible mm -hmm. and that's why they are sleep restricted or sleep deprived mm -hmm. as well um, they are doing some study to see um, if they can 
sleep later in the morning if they would perform better at school. Mm -hmm. um, but then all the system need to be changed. So I don't know if this will work. Ever oh, happen. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> to rebond on that. Uh, so it, it seems that it's not a good thing to be on a blue screen before sleeping. So does it mean that it can be good for awaking to work on your screen, you know, in the morning? <laughs> yeah, sure. In the morning, it's fine. I mean, it's better to go outside and take some sunlight. <laughs> But yeah, in the morning, it's completely fine. Um, we find as well, if you are traveling uh, for the jet lag, for example, um, if, you're, if you are exposed to blue light in the morning, all your rhythm will be advanced in the evening. So you will feel uh, sleepier earlier. Uh, but if you are traveling in the other direction, you can have some blue lights in the late afternoon. So you will be, you will feel sleepier later mm -hmm. in the evening. And this can adapt a bit your rhythm to the new country where you are in. Yeah. So, I mean, when we're traveling back to the UK and you're trying to adjust to, you, you show up to London in the winter and you know that there's, there's not that much light to help you out with that. So yeah, maybe we should just start using the screens in the morning. <laughs> um, and you have some small blue lights that, It, that is specific for traveling. It's really small and mm -hmm. really blue. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you can you can take it the morning. Okay. So another thing I was thinking that that reminds me of this idea of um, seasonal affective disorder, and is it linked to that? Because um, I know friends who genuinely suffer from like they're, they're stuck in an office all day. They have no windows, and I think the light is helping them so is that connected to the same thing yeah exactly so if you don't get enough light all your rhythm has are screwed <laughs> if i can mm -hmm. say it yeah absolutely <laughs> we're not that kind of podcast <laughs> um the, it exists a lot of different light therapy that you can use so okay for this seasonal affective disorder we usually recommend to have at least one or two hours of light in the morning so for example or When you are taking your breakfast, you can buy a specific light, which is a blue and rich white light, like the sunlight. Um, it's usually, I think, 1,000, 2,000 mm -hmm. uh depending on which kind of light you buy. And if you use it in the morning um, for an hour, it's already better. Another one from Sinead. Um, okay, so this is kind of like one to help me out. So um, I wonder if you know anything about uh, different people's requirements for sleep, the amount of sleep different people need. So I need loads of sleep and it's kind of annoying because like I'd love to be able to like get up way earlier and get way more things done. So I'm wondering if there's like even anything I can do to like need less sleep. And like I've had people tell me just like get over it and sleep less but like <laughs> i can't like help yeah this really depends uh with people so usually we said that uh you need between seven and nine hours uh, sleep yeah. per like yeah so kids and teenagers more need more sleep so around nine i'd say and then Once you're getting older, you need less and less sleep. And usually older people need six or seven hours. Uh, but if you really need nine hours, there is almost nothing to do against it. 
<laughs> it will maybe be less once you get older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when essentially your body's not good enough to do yeah. anything, I you'll be able to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Depends if if you are sleeping really well during the night or you wake up a lot. Okay, so you really need nine hour, nine hour of good sleep. So, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we kind of... Do you need less sleep or do you get less sleep? That's what I was going to ask, thing? yeah. I think... So when you get older, your circadian rhythm uh, is disrupted. Uh, because... Okay, so you catch less light when you get older because in your eyes you have a yellowing of the lens. Uh, you have a decrease in all the cells. And so you catch less light, so your brain receives less light. Yeah, and your hormones in the brain um, is uh, increase less as well. Mm -hmm. So all your circadian rhythm are disrupted. And because of it, you can't really sleep a lot during the night. And that's why all older people sleep less. Not because they really need less sleep, but they can't sleep as long as uh, mm -hmm. before. And that's why they do a lot of nap as well during the day. Mm -hmm. um, because they are not exactly reset to the 24-hour cycle as a young hour yep. in the morning. Again, to help my sleepy self. Um, my question is, is there an optimum nap time uh, that we can have? Because so sometimes before I go out, I like to have a disco nap. And <laughs> so for the can you please explain what a disco is? <laughs> so it's like if you're planning a, a, a big night out and you really want to get value out of it and like not come home at like, like you want to stay up all night or most of it, like just get a bit of sleep in first and, you know, it'll set you up for the night. <laughs> and so I've heard like there people have different theories on it. Then some people are like, oh, don't sleep for like longer than 30 minutes because you'll go into like a deep sleep and then you'll wake up all like groggy and disgusting. But you do, is there like an optimum time? Like, should it be like 30 minutes or 20 minutes or an hour? Because you mentioned like 90 minutes is like a full cycle. Yeah. But that's like, that's not a disco nap. Like, no. that's, that's a long time. Yeah. And you won't, you don't want to sleep like nine, 90 minutes because otherwise you, well, you, you, have you will have, have time for that. Like, if, exactly. If, like, if you're coming home from work and you've got like an hour and a half to get ready, <laughs> you know, you know, like you have to probably maybe eat or get changed or something, but this is part of setting you up. Yeah, okay, so. <laughs> this is a popular thing on the internet where you drink a cup of coffee and then immediately go to sleep so that the coffee hits you and you wake up after half an hour. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like power nap <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, so you, if you take a nap, you don't want to have a lot of deep sleep because otherwise you will, uh, you will be uh, drowsy when you wake up. Yeah. So we usually set 20, 30 minutes maximum oh, to okay. don't reach the really deep sleep. Rich. But it depends. Some people really reach deep sleep quicker, but I'd say 20, 30 minutes is fine. But now if you want to have a disco nap, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, don't sleep too long. Yeah. I would say again, 20, 30 minutes okay. is maybe enough just to rest a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, you won't sleep so well after our disco night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like recovery, right? Yeah. <laughs> because again, yeah. Hey, even when you are drinking alcohol, you you think that you will sleep really well. Yeah. A lot of people drink alcohol to help them fall asleep. So it will help you fall asleep because you will feel 
um, drowsy and sleepy. So you, you will go to sleep, but your brain is not resting as much as a normal sleep. And typically in the first part of your night, after a drinking night, you will be completely like in deep sleep, but your brain is still a bit active. Yes, because you still you, you have different waves in your brain activity. And when you are sleeping, it's a slow wave, but your uh, faster wave are still active after a drinking night. And then you don't, you don't rest your brain as much as a normal uh, night. And then in the second part of the night, you have a lot of uh, awakening, which, not, which is not occurring in a normal night as well. And you need a lot of REM sleep in the second part of your night, which are completely um, de decreased or inexistent when you are during the night before. Um, and as well, you can go a lot more to the bathroom during the night. <laughs> Be because it's, it's just because, so for a normal night, your body knows that it's the night that you need to sleep. And so the threshold of your bladder is higher so that you can have more uh, urine in, into it and you don't go, you don't wake up to go to the bathroom during the night. But when you are drinking, your rhythm are completely disrupted and this threshold doesn't increase anymore. And that's why you wake up more often to, do, to go to the toilet. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, so I, in my head, it was always just because alcohol is also a diuretic. Yeah. Yes, so as well. As well. Okay, as well. so this is a yes. confounding factor. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's very cool. With the sleeping pills, like how does it mess up with the circadian rhythm? Yeah, like yeah. So the sleeping pills is good to help you fall asleep. But in the end, you don't have a really good sleep neither. I wouldn't say it's like alcohol but kind of sim similar. Um, you still have some REM sleep in the second part of your night, but not as much as without a sleeping pill. Um, and with melatonin, if you take melatonin, so your melatonin will increase uh, in the beginning of the night, which is good because you will start to feel uh, sleepy and go to bed. But then it won't reach the, a normal peak. As soon as you stop taking this melatonin, it will stop. And so it's good to help you fall asleep, but it doesn't really help to sleep for a long night. Can you tell us specifically more about your research? Because you, you're focused on um, the sleep patterns of the, the elderly. Um, can you go into what you do other than, I mean, we've already heard about the keeping people awake for 40 hours, but presumably that's not the only kind of study that you do. Yeah, no. Uh, so... Um, the thing with the older people or how the aging can impact on your sleep uh, is that uh, so in the first part of the night when you have more deep sleep in the older people the, the amount of this deep sleep is decreased so they have l more light sleep than deep sleep and as well if you look uh, for all the night they 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 are awake or the number of uh, awakening during the night is increasing a lot in older people. So in the end, even though they stay eight or nine hours in bed, the sleep efficiency, so this means the amount of sleep that you really have during the time when you are in bed, is 
less important than in the yarn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, how is it that, like, I know you've already mentioned that the mechanism is not well understood, but you're looking specifically at the, the kind of the dizziness and the falling that people experience afterwards. Do you know what the connection is between um, the light and their sleep and that specific hypertension? So when they wake up after a long uh, night of mm-hmm. sleep, uh, they have a um, decrease in blood pressure in the morning. And then when they stand up, the, the, the body, let's say their body is not strong enough to bring all the blood in the brain and increase uh, art- arterial pressure. And as well, their heart rate will increase a lot when mm-hmm. they stand up. If you, if you look at um, the percentage of death or heart attack, it increased a lot in the morning because of it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so I checked it. It's a light which we call the down simulation light. So it increased for 30 minutes before you wake up in the morning. Uh, and I checked this light in younger people. So let's say you put your alarm clock at 8. Mm-hmm. So at 7.30, the light will start to increase. So it will start in an orange-yellow light and increase in intensity for 30 minutes and reach a maximum after 30 minutes. And the lights after these 30 minutes will be a blue and rich white light, so exactly like the sunlight. So it's kind of, it mimics the sunrise. And we saw in young people that their heart rate slowly increase during these 30 minutes with the light, but the people were still sleeping. So the... um, the light goes through your eyelids mm-hmm. and start to wake up a bit your brain mm-hmm. and your body. And so your heart rate increases really slowly so that when you actually wake up, the increase of heart rate is not so big. Mm-hmm. And so I try to see if this light can have the same effect in older people so that the heart rate increases really slowly so that they reduce the risk of heart attack mm-hmm. when they really wake up. And if this can work with the blood pressure as well. Uh, so I didn't test it in young people, so I don't know if it will work. But if it will, this means that the blood pressure will increase as well really slowly before they actually wake up. And then when they wake up and they stand up, the blood pressure will already be at a higher level and they won't feel dizzy or lose their balance. Mm-hmm. And that's we hope to reduce the risk of death in the morning with this yeah. light. I think what I really love about this idea is the fact that you don't need intervention from drugs because that seems to be the one thing that, like, there is no drug which does not have side effects. Yes, And so for something that's... And a lot of older people take drugs because of this. Yeah. So if this works, I I can't say at the beginning that we can stop the drugs, Mm -hmm. but at least at the long term, we can maybe reduce the amount of these drugs and use the light, which is nothing. They they have nothing to do unless putting an alarm clock close to their bed Mm -hmm. and just wake up with the light would be perfect. And I have to say, I use this alarm clock as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I love it. So when my alarm clock really turns on, Mm -hmm. I'm not completely stressed out or don't know what happened in my room. Mm-hmm. It's kind of if I'm already awake or I will I know that the alarm clock will turn on yeah. because my 
brain is already a bit awake because before the, uh, because of the light. Okay, I need to get me one of those. <laughs> um, Katie asks, are there kind of take-home messages from the, the different wavelengths of light that you've been talking about to help people improve their sleep and wakening patterns? Okay, <laughs> so what to do to sleep better is actually <laughs> the question. Mm -hmm. um, so follow, if you can, follow the sunlight. So get, get outside, get as much as light as you can in the morning. So best thing would be uh, yeah, to wake up either with a, uh, a light in the morning or to when you are awake, just go outside, take a lot of sunlight. Uh, eat every day at the same time because uh, your meal will also entrain your circadian rhythm. So it's good to eat always at the same time so that your body knows what time it is. Exercise a lot so that your body feels sleepy and you sleep well. Uh, but try to avoid exercise to at least two hours before going to bed. Uh, don't drink coffee or alcohol after lunch if possible. It will also help to <laughs> sleep better. <laughs> and yeah, and so in the evening, uh, don't forget to put a dim light in the room where you are before going to bed and don't put a really bright light. Uh, try to, avo to avoid LED screen or at least put an app which uh, makes your screen more orange or use a blue blockers uh, glasses. Uh, try to sleep in complete darkness as well um, we recommend that your room is not too warm neither too cold just that good temperature um, and if you can no electronic device in your room as well this can help you sleep better and you won't be tempted to wake up to check all your social media at night and yeah that's it i think Yeah, I think actually all this talk of sleep is making me sleepy. <laughs> um, uh, before we let you leave, how do you sleep? Really well. <laughs> I think you follow I have your own no advice. problem to sleep. <laughs> so our guest was Virginie Gabel from uh, Stanford University. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> When I started to do sleep study, I didn't expect that I would need to bring urine bottle or bedpans for my participants because they are not allowed to uh, to stand up or usually they are connected with a lot of electrodes at night so they cannot go to the bathroom. Uh, so we put either urine bottle or yeah, bedpans near the bed. And it happens that some days <laughs> or in the morning when I wake up my participants I found the urinal bottle with urine but not only um, <laughs> it was a bit white inside so <laughs> I guess that it couldn't wait for night <laughs> to go home <laughs> but yeah we find some sperm in the bottle <laughs> uh, yeah this was not expected at all um, But yeah, it's part of the job of a bus dog, I guess. Yeah. <laughs>
Hi folks, this is Palmve here. As with previous podcasts, I make mention of another project we work on, namely our annual Taste of Science Festival. We know there are so many great events out there for kids, but we wanted to dedicate one to you, the grown-up. The idea is to get scientists out from their labs, away from their computers and in from the field to talk to you and answer your questions, because we know you have questions. So, if you'd like to find out if there are any events in a city near you, head to our website at tasteofscience.org and hopefully we'll see you sometime between April 22nd and the 28th for a drink and a chat. We've talked about the effect of increased lighting from electronic devices and from our general lifestyle on humans. What about pets? Is he thinking yeah. about the cats on iPads? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>